Ron and Anian. Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. Love the show. I've been listening to it for a while. I think I love you. Isn't that what life is made of? Though it worries me to say that I've never felt this way. The Car Doctor. If I've got it where I can't get anything to grip at all and I'm in a real tight spot, what else can I make that into? My failsafe is I will try to take either a file, a hacksaw blade, something and cut a slot in the bolt. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Welcome aboard. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. More information at cardoctorshow.com. That's what this radio show is about, helping you solve your automotive problem and uh, bringing it to light for everyone else so we can talk about it here on air and get it going. Let's get it fixed and uh, see what we can do. Real quick, before I get over to the busy phones, and I should point out down around the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Rich White. He's from the Car Care Council. They're going to be stopping by to talk to us all about winter car care and maybe some holiday travel tips and things like that, things to be aware of because we are headed into the holidays and, um, you know, winter driving. And I've always said that, you know, winter driving is a whole lot tougher than summer driving. Summer driving, you get stuck, you pull over to the side of the road, you put a shrimp on the barbie, and you wait for the tow truck. Winter driving, eh, it's not so much fun to barbecue on the side of the road in 20-degree weather. So I uh, just want to be mindful of getting that car ready for uh, you know winter driving, and Rich is going to stop by to talk to us about it. Uh, real quick, this article caught my eye from the New York Times about spare tires. And it seems that spare tires, no, not the one around your middle midsection there, Tom. This is the one that's, uh, you know, uh, used to be in the trunk of the car. And about how many cars are, are doing away with it? It starts out with nearly a third of 2017 models offered in the United States do not come outfitted with the save-the-day spare as standard equipment, according to a recent study by AAA. In truth, the extinction of the spare tire has been happening for years. Full-size spares gave way to space-saving donuts. You sometimes spot on vehicles at high speeds, and I agree, they are worrying. They, in turn, are yielding their underfloor real estate to no tire at all. How crazy is that? And I don't, I don't understand the logic of it. You know, and everything is going to run flats. And this is my commentary. You know, we're going to run flat tires on more and more vehicles. And a lot of you don't even realize whether or not the vehicle comes with a spare until after the, you know, the check cleared. Hey, I don't have a spare. Oh, well, we love you. But, um, you know, it may be something, you know, you've really got to bring up at the point of purchase. And you really want to address if there's a spare tire available for that vehicle, I think it's worth having it at, at pretty much any price. Because a run flat, how many times I see a run flat come in and the sidewall's gashed or it's an unrepairable puncture and that vehicle's on the back of a flatbed. The, the tire gets shredded because they don't have a spare. And that's a problem. And I don't understand it. And a real quick tip, and this is what kind of got me really thinking about spares this week. I have a customer, Joe. He's driving an 05 GMC Express van, Chevy Express van, same thing. The spare tire is down underneath in the back, and it hasn't been down. And he just—he's with us a year now. We just—we always pull him down once a year. We—we we went to pull it down this year, and the, the winch was all frozen in place. And we ended up having to, you know, undo the winch. And but the rim is so badly rusted because it's been stored underneath, and it's taken all that road spray and salt and and and, and schmutz, which is a technical term. And he's got this big empty van most of the time. 
I said, Joe, let's let's take it down. We'll sandblast the wheel, paint it with a little rustoleum, and stick it in the van. You know what? I did that. I did that with the spare tire on the 08 Silverado three years ago, and I don't miss the storage space in the back. The spare tire is secure, and if I ever get a flat tire in the snow, I'll be ready. I'll have a nice dry tire to to, to drag out of the back instead of having to crawl underneath in a snowbank. It's just sometimes where they're putting these spares is just ridiculous. But great article in the New York Times. Uh, this is about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I'm sure if you Google it, you can find it and read it its entirety. I don't want to go through it, but they talk about the price of spare tires and wheel kits, and um, some Hondas come with space savers and some don't. And uh, they talk about the cost of things like that. And you know what? Safety can't be underestimated when it comes to an automobile. Uh, the road is a very unforgiving place, and when you need help the most, when you're on the side of the road, you'll be uh, you'll be glad you took that ounce of prevention. So just just be aware. Spare tires, maybe it's a good segue. We'll leave that in uh, good something to talk about with Rich White later on this hour from the Car Care Council. But anyway, this is Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. I am he. I am here at 855-560-9900. Let's kick the garage doors open and go talk to Brian. Kansas City, Missouri, 2004 excursion, 7-3 Power Stroke. Yeah, Brian, what's going on? Well, I got uh, got this truck, and I, I pulled a trailer with it the other day, and I, it was empty, and I was just going to pick up some scaffolding. And uh, when I got to the plate, I noticed when I was driving that it, it at first, you know, when I started out, it shifted into overdrive, and the, you could tell the torque converter locked up. I was on flat, and I wasn't, you know, putting any power to it. And then about halfway through, I noticed it. It shifted out of overdrive, and it never shifted back in. Then when I got to where I was going, I pulled up, and I was on a little hill, and I was backing in. And when I put it in reverse, I backed up probably two and a half feet, and then it was like the brakes were on. It wouldn't roll forward, and it wouldn't go back anymore. It wasn't slipping because it was, you could, you know, it was lugging the motor when I was pushing on the gas. So I put it neutral. It rolled forward. I did it like two more times, and it finally... When I put it reverse, it backed up normal, and uh, I got it home. I checked the fluid, and it it didn't seem burnt, burnt. But I've never in my life had you know. I googled it and looked. I couldn't find anything on any of the Ford truck enthusiast stuff. Nothing about that. So I just called you and see if you had any knowledge of anything like that. Yeah, before. a couple. Well, a couple of things come to mind. Do you think it was transmission related, or do you think it was brake pedal related, or brake related? I don't think it was brake, because it never did it, you know, unless I put it in reverse, you know, and then uh, it, it's, it hasn't done it since. Okay. And I've, I've driven it probably 35, 35 miles since then. Okay. Um Power steering system seemed to work okay. No whining, no complaining. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. No, no howling. I have seen cases. Well, I've seen I've seen a couple of different things that describe your symptoms. So now we've got to figure out what's good, what's bad. I have seen cases where the power steering pump fails in the early stages, and it starts to put debris in the power steering system, and that creates a restriction which will cause the brakes to stay in the apply point. All right. I got you. All right. So yeah. that's a problem. So sometimes taking a sample of power steering fluid or flushing power steering fluid uh, will become okay. a, will will become a a a a 
a way around it. Ford does make a filter, or they did at one point, they did make a power steering inline filter because this was such a chronic issue. I don't remember the whole number. I just remember it started X-Ray Charlie, 3 Zebra, 7 Baker, 155. I don't remember the the rest of it, but that should be enough to get you going if you go down to the local Ford store. X-Ray Charlie, 3 Zebra, 7 Baker, 155 is how I remember it. Uh, You know, it was an inline power steering filter. You can take a sample of power steering fluid out, try straining it through a white cloth and see what residue, if any, is left over. Maybe you see some particulate in there. Maybe you don't. All right. The, The other thing that I have seen is if you look on the right side of the transmission, there's an electrical plug. All right. That's the converter okay. apply connector. If if the problem occurs again, unplug that. Does the problem okay. go away? If the problem goes away, there's a reasonable chance. I have seen also where the harness is shorted and it gives an apply command to the torque converter because you shift it into reverse. It flexes. And it creates a code. well, it'll it it may or may not create a code because it doesn't know that it's a problem. Right. It's just enough twist on the harness that it allows the, the 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 interior harness or the the harness itself to touch at the wrong spot where it's eighteen years later it's you know ground through on a flat spot or a worn worn area and it creates a short and it creates a miscommunication and applies the converter at the wrong time and. You get this condition when it. When yeah. Okay, it, I got you. When it when it yeah. happened, do you recall if you put it in neutral? Could you rev the engine up? Yeah, yeah. It would as soon as you put it in neutral, it would uh, it would roll forward. I would I wouldn't even have I didn't even have the foot on the brake because it it stopped and wouldn't move. Right. And I, I let my foot off the brake and, and I was on a pretty good hill, uh, and it didn't move forward. As soon as I shifted it into neutral, it uh, it it rolled forward. So I mean, if if, if Putting it in neutral allows it to roll, tells me it's likely not break, and then when you put it back in drive, it was locked up? No, when I put it in drive, it would go, it would go forward just like yeah, just like nothing was wrong. But right. as soon as in reverse. You know, it did it three times. Yeah, three times in reverse, and I haven't got to do it again. Okay. So, so you could back up the truck right now in reverse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm betting this is in the trans. All right, that's what I'm thinking. Now, the one caution I would like to suggest is before you start unplugging connectors and and, and playing with this, here's an example where, again, I'd I'd like to do a complete vehicle scan, print and post. You know, write everything down, print it, post it, store it, whatever you want to do. Here's what you started with. Here's what you got when you're done. At least it gives you something to compare to because one thing thing I can – one thing I can uh, guarantee you is that when you're all done with this repair, unless you write it down, you're, you're going to probably forget about it. Uh, you know, what, what exactly what codes we had and when and how. And, uh, right. you know, um, I like to I like to print things. It, it gives me a file. Yeah. It gives me something to look back on and, um, you know, things like that. So but that that's how I would approach it. All right, sir. All right. I appreciate the help. Not a problem, man. If you need me, I'm here. So not a problem at all. OK, you take good care. Good luck. Let us know what happens. Uh, thank you, sir. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, it's and then it could be internal. And the last thing I should have said this to Brian was the, it, this could be internal in the trans too. This could be an internal trans issue. So um, one step at a time. Let's see where we go. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. And by the way, I should make a correction. We, we car care council is not going to be bottom of the hour. We're going to do him coming up around the other side um, to give him his due. So, uh, but either way, Rich White from the car care council will be with us um, this hour for sure. So eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy and the car doctor coming. Back. Back right after this. 
Welcome back. Ron and Nini, the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. I, I want to just take a, 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 a couple of minutes here and talk to you about exhaust leaks. All right. It seems like I just I notice it lately sitting at stop signs and traffic lights. A lot of vehicles. It seems like more vehicles. I won't say a lot, but more vehicles. I'm hearing more and more exhaust leaks. And I get it. You know what? Tough economy. It's always a tough economy, though, it seems. Exhaust systems are definitely uh, very expensive, more expensive to fix than they've ever have been. And a lot of that has to do with, it seems that, you know, they've been made out of stainless now for a very long time. And when they do go bad, they are in such bad shape. They need everything. And, you know, $2,000 on an exhaust system on some cars is not unheard of. But here's the bigger problem. And here's what kind of caught my attention. You get a car with an exhaust leak, and then maybe, maybe not, depending upon where the leak is, in a relatively short period of time, check engine light comes on. The mechanic will go and scan it, or you'll go scan it. It's got a P0420 or a P0430. It's got a CAT efficiency code. I want to talk to you about that. Catalytic converter efficiency, and if you've had this, you know how expensive this can be. It can be 1000 It can be 1500 It can be 2000 for a catalytic converter. It can be a lot more. The problem is this. In order for the onboard computer to understand how effective or efficient that catalytic converter is, it's making a measurement. It measures oxygen content going in and compares it to oxygen content going out. All right. There's something called OSC, oxygen storage capacity, that a catalytic converter is rated for its ability to store oxygen before it has to give it up. And they, they look at it, and they, it, it's, it's, a, it's a term they call switch rate, or they talk about switch rate, where it'll, it'll you know, stop storing and then start releasing. And they're looking at, there has to be a number involved here where they want to see a 70% storage capacity. So everything and anything can affect that downstream or that post-catalytic converter oxygen sensor. Think of, think of the thermostat on the house on the wall of your house, right? You set it for 68 degrees, it, it drops below 68, the temperature, the heat, the heat comes up, it brings it back up to 68, it works well. What if that thermostat was near an open window and somebody left the window open and there's a cool breeze blowing on that thermostat and it's affecting its readings? So it seems it's still getting that chill of cold air, and the heat's always running. It's always on. It's always trying to bring it up to temperature. It's always trying to complete its cycle. That's sort of like what an exhaust leak does to an oxygen sensor, and that's the whole point of this conversation. We've had a couple in the shop in the past two weeks. We've had an 04 Nissan Xterra. We've had a 99 Lexus um, uh, SUV, the th- uh, the EX, uh, what is it, the 350 or the 300. That developed ox that developed exhaust system leaks about in each case four to five inches downstream of the post cat o two sensor that thermostat on the wall, and in both cases fixing the exhaust leak fixed the catalytic converter fault now it wasn't necessarily cheaper fixing the exhaust leak in both cases. One of them I think I talked about last week, the 04 Xterra. The exhaust system was obsolete for an 04 Xterra rear-wheel drive, four-cylinder, five-speed trans. We had to make an exhaust system using a V6 Xterra muffler and tailpipe and then a straight pipe to connect it into the rest of the system. But it did solve the problem without putting a cat on the car. 
Not to mention, and the same thing with the Lexus, we we ended up putting a, a patch sleeve in and spliced in the rest of the exhaust and, and, and sealed the system up. Not to mention, and this is the other downside for exhaust leaks, because I don't think people stop and think about the what-ifs, all right? They see a P0420 or a P0430, and this is my point, and they will just, oh, it needs a catalytic converter, let's put a cat on it. Save yourself some money. If your car's got an exhaust leak, and it's got catalytic converter codes, before you rush out and change cats, get it diagnosed. And where are the exhaust leaks? And understand that most modern cars, the exhaust systems will have exhaust reversion, just like it sounds. Exhaust flows this way and then that way and this way and then that way. It's a back-and-forth process. And the point becomes you can save yourself a bunch of money. Now, in the case of the Lexus, we actually had a splice in a collar, and it was cheaper because the exhaust system going south from Lexus, if you know, we want to compare it to something, was about eh, like $3,200 just in parts. Um, uh, but then, you know, you can do aftermarket stuff, but it's half the price, but it's still over $1,000. So I just... I just want to make this point known. I just want to be able to say that I said something, that not every catalytic converter efficiency fault leads directly to a catalytic converter, that there are moments where you've, you know, obviously you've still got to diagnose it. There are some tests and some measurements that have to be made and understand that an exhaust leak can create cat codes. Now, the other side of an exhaust leak, and I just want to mention this too, that I want you to be aware of, we're into winter. Windows are closed, right? It's cold out. We've got the windows closed. We've got the heat on. Maybe we're drawing outside air. A lot of you know what I'm going to say. Those exhaust leaks, depending upon where they are, you might be drawing exhaust fumes into the cabin while you're driving. And they can create drowsiness. They can be health issues. It's not good for you. There's a reason why they want the exhaust to get out underneath the car and so you're not breathing engine fumes while you're traveling. So just... You know, just stop and think about it. The, the, the dollars you're saving may be hurting you in the long run and may be causing other problems somewhere else down the line. So I get it. It's expensive. Um, you know, gee whiz, we were just talking this hour about the price of, uh, of or I'm sorry, last hour about the price of cars, $68,000 for a GMC Yukon. I understand why car repairs sometimes get turned down. But then again, sometimes I don't understand why we don't do more of them. But we're not fixing more cars instead of trading them in for new ones. So double-edged sword. Think about exhaust leaks. Um, but anyway, that's that. I'm Martin Annie, the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Let's get over and talk to Eric in Maine, 08 Toyota Tacoma. Eric, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Hey, Tom. First time, long time. Thank you. Thank you, sir. What's going on? Um, I got an 08 Tacoma I bought brand new. Uh, it's got just shy of 300,000 miles on it. So it's just broken uh, in, brother. Uh, it's good for another 300,000. Just broke in? Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah, just broken in, man. Yeah. Keep going. Oh. Awesome. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. I was hoping. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've done nothing but regular maintenance, oil, air filter, uh, still has original belts, original uh, spark plugs. Everything's original. Um, I just started having a little problem with it. I come out in the morning, start it up, it'll start up and then die like it's running out of gas. Okay. Um, I, unplugged the pl- I unplugged the positive side of the uh, battery. 
for a couple, three, four, five seconds, boom, fires right up and takes off. All right. So the next, so the next time it happens, you've you've got yeah. a, you know, the next time it happens, what you're telling me is it, it'll it'll start and die, and then it won't restart, and then you'll do your 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 little voodoo there, disconnect the battery, and it, it'll it'll start on its own. Um, somehow you're going to have to establish this so that before you disconnect it, you're going to have to get it scanned because you're you're taking away the most valuable piece of information, whatever code lies within that system. And you know, from there we can we can have the conversation because this could be this could have something to do with the anti theft. This could be a bad ignition key. This could be a problem within the engine performance system as far as a throttle body. This could be schmutz, which is a technical term on the on the mass airflow sensor. Um, you know, there's a lot of things this could be. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, but you know, disconnecting the battery tells well, it me it doesn't. It doesn't seem to throw a code though. Well, it doesn't throw a code or a check engine. Well, it doesn't throw a code. You know that because why? Because you don't see a check engine light. Right. Okay. So it could be. You ever get you ever get sick in your life, Eric? You ever you know you wake oh, up absolutely yeah so you know you wake up on Monday and you kind of feel crummy and but you don't really get the sniffles and the head cold until Wednesday. Uh yeah. Okay, car computer does the same thing. You you disconnect okay. you disconnecting the battery. You just took away whatever information it had on Monday. So Wednesday when it finally gets sick, <laughs> you know, the doctor just doesn't know where to start. It'd be like you calling up the doctor and saying, "Hey, I don't feel good. Give me an examination over the phone." You know, it's it's just he he, okay. he he can't get his hands on your brother. He's got to you know, he's got to give you the deal, and and that's and that's part of it. So it, it's got to get scanned. Now I'd be curious if you turned the key off, walked away, and came back in five minutes. If you tried that, does the car restart? Um, yes, it has before. Yes, and it will restart. Yes. Okay. So it's going into some kind of a reset or because if you do that right away it won't start, correct? Correct. Okay, so it's 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 gotta wait. There's some sort of time that's a factor here. Now if you could tell me, hey Ron, it's it's it it, it it'll it won't restart in four minutes, but it does restart in eight. If you can be very specific, if you can figure that out, that tells me that I'm probably dealing with a module that has to time out and then I'm gonna think more along the lines of I've got an alarm system issue. Because that's 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 typical indicative of an alarm system module failure or a pending failure because they're usually on the clock. All right. So yeah. you know, this could and, and, and by the same token, this could have an alarm module fault. You'll never see a check engine light because a check engine light only comes on when emissions values exceed one and a half times the legal limit. No alarm no alarm fault is gonna trigger a check engine light. You know, you, you could be seeing something, you know, when they finally scan this for codes, this may have a B2799, um, which actually is stored in the engine module, but may or may not cause a check engine light because it's got a fault with the ignition key. So, you know, here's a case where for the past couple of, well, for a while now, I've been saying you've got to do complete system scans and, you know, scan every module on the vehicle. Here's a case for it. you got to get it to a mechanic. You know, stick out your tongue and say on. Let them let them poke and prod, and you know, look at every module and see what faults are lying in there. Don't predicate whether or not there's a fault code based on whether or not there's just a check engine light. All right, sir. Okay, and uh, but it doesn't have any type of alarm system on it. Uh, the the keys themselves like, uh, the keys themselves should be chipped. There should be chips in these keys. This isn't this is an O this is an O eight. Yes, sir. Four liter. Uh, six. Yeah, six cylinder. Yeah, four oh six. Yeah, this this probably has 
that should have an alarm transponder in it. You just don't know it. Okay. But again, even if it doesn't, I still want to scan it for codes. That's where I would begin this diagnosis. If this was at the shop, Eric, I would tell you, yeah. I would tell you, leave me the truck. And I'm not suggesting you drive down from Maine to do that, but I'm just saying I would tell you, leave me the truck and let me duplicate it, and then let me get some information out of it, because if I have absolutely no fault codes anywhere and the problem happens, that sends me this direction. If I have fault codes, that sends me that direction. So I've got to know what fault codes, if any, are either pending hard or about to happen. Always a good place to start. Right. Okay? Awesome. So good luck. You, good luck to you, brother. You let me know. You, uh, you give me a call back if you need more information. So and by the way, I will. Thank you, sir. This is this is Ron, uh, Ron Eric. Yeah, Ron, that's okay. Sorry, that's sorry, Ron. It's all right, yeah. brother. Call me anything but call me anything but late for dinner. You have yourself a good rest of the weekend. All right. Thank you, Ron. You're very welcome. Take good Bye-bye. care, Ron and Andy, and the Car Doctor. Hey, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Rich White from the Car Care Council, talking about getting your car ready for the holiday driving season and beyond. So stick around for that. We'll return after a few. Hey, 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 we're back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. You know, we talk about, well, we try to avoid, and we do talk about your car breaking down. And, and the conversation between you and I over the years has been that, you know, it's easier to break down in the summer because then it's time to get the lawn chair out and sit in the back and get some suntan while you're while you're waiting for repair and rescue to show up. But we're approaching winter in, in most of the continental United States as well as the world. And, you know, in terms of breaking down in the winter, not so much fun. So we thought we'd reach out to the experts over at the Car Care Council and talk to them a little bit about, well, you know, car care, because that's what they do. And uh, we're glad to have with us today Rich White. He's the executive director of the Car Care Council. Rich, thanks for stopping by the garage today. My pleasure, Ron. Good to be with you. You know, weather's changing, and obviously it's it's going to be colder. The colder temperatures are definitely here. Um, why is it so important to prepare your car for winter? And, you know, cars have changed. What goes into winterizing your vehicle nowadays? Well, sure. Harsh winter weather, it really can take a toll uh, and stress out the vehicle and, and the driver just because everything seems to be just a little more difficult and uh uh, uncomfortable during the winter for the car and and the driver. So it's just important to properly prepare for these elements, um, whether you're facing tons of snow or just some colder than normal weather, depending on where you are. But, uh, you know, if your car is in, in good condition, you've checked it out, it's going to uh, be less likely to break down on the road. Uh, you won't, uh, you know, find yourself in an unplanned road emergency when the weather takes a uh, sudden turn for the worse. Mainly, it's it's good peace of mind as well. You want to be able to get up in the morning and know that that car is going to start and get you where you want to go. And with, with holidays, you don't want to, in the family, you pack them in the car, you don't want to break down uh, away from home. So it's uh, it's easy to, uh, to uh, check the vehicle out and get it prepared for the winter uh, um, weather. And it just makes good sense. You know, Rich, somebody out there listening has got a 2016. They've got a year-old car. And they might be going, nah, I don't need to do that. I've got a new car. And, you know, their 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 partner or somebody else in the house may have that 10-year-old car. They may have that 2006 or 2007. But, when you know, car care really applies, you know, winter. You know, it's a year old. It's 10 years old. It's not new. And you've really got to look at them regardless of age, Correct. Oh, absolutely, because winter, like we said, winter, cold weather, it magnifies uh, existing problems. And uh, whether your car is a year old or 10 years old, I mean, uh, it does uh, 
it's hard on the batteries. Cold weather is hard on the batteries. And you need to have a proper uh, level of antifreeze. You want to make sure the brakes are are, are uh, working properly. You know, it's tough enough stopping on on snow and ice. You know, it's tricky enough, but you don't want them pulling one way or the other for some reason. Uh, tires, uh, you know, cold weather uh, will uh, drop the uh, the PSI, the pounds per square inch. And, you know, a lot of times people get up in the morning and their tire indicators on, the lights on, and they panic. But it's uh, it's because, you know, for every 10-degree drop in temperature, the tire pressure goes down one or two uh, points. So right. uh, lights and wipers, uh even new cars, you want to be seen and you want to be able to see. And uh, it's very, very important to check all of these these things. Uh, even if you're not getting ready to go on a big trip, but just getting around town to work, to the club, different things. So it sounds like that's a real good plan for people to follow. Maybe since we're in the holidays, um, I know I'm going to get email over this, but maybe we make a, a New Year's resolution. How about a car care resolution, you know, help them get into the habit of taking care of the car on a better basis, because that'll, you know, the better they take care of the car, the better it can take care of them. And don't the studies show that the repair costs, um, maybe you're more controlled or, or, or less of a burden on in that case, if you maintain the car, there's a positive to this too, right? Oh, absolutely. And uh, if you're, you know, if your listeners are anything like you and me, probably, you know, one of the resolutions every year is to spend less money and to save more money. And your vehicle is a real good way of doing that because one, you want to you want to avoid buying a new car if you don't have to. Let's just be you know very candid here. A new car average costs about thirty four thousand um, dollars. That's that's a lot of money. But the cars today are lasting, and you know the average car on the road is almost twelve years old, and they're built better. They last longer, so you can save a ton of money by not buying a new car and all those costs will greater insurance some states more property taxes different things like that associated with a new car but you know keep your car and if you take good care of it and you maintain it properly you're also saving money on unnecessary repairs due to negligence if you don't take care of a a small problem early on it can turn into a bigger one, just like uh, your health. You want your your car care is just as important, you know, as your health care. You want regular dental checkups, physicals. The reason for that is they can detect um, small problems and take care of them before they become big problems. Same thing with your car. Yep. Save money, spend less. Yeah, and. For those of you just tuning in, we're, we're talking to Rich White. He is the executive director of the Car Care Council. You know, Rich, people are going to go away for the holidays, right? And they're going to take trips. Some people drive. Some people fly. You know, maybe driving, sometimes driving's quicker, right? By the time you go to the airport, get through security and, and that whole thing, it could be a day's event just to fly to grandma's house. And if it's within driving time, um, you know, what are some of the other benefits you're going to see driving versus flying, taking the car instead? No, this is one of my favorite um, <laughs> topics to talk about, and I preach this all the time, and I think it's a no-brainer. Um, you can save a ton of money and reduce a lot of stress and a lot of hassle by by driving, taking the car on the on the vacation as opposed to, uh, you know, flying. And regardless of whether they're super great prices for airline tickets, 
the thing is you can still save a ton of money. So let's just take, for instance, a family of four. Maybe they're taking a 1,000-mile round trip. Um, well, that's probably by car less than one, one of the tickets would cost. But here's some of the other things that really, I think, uh, show the advantage of driving versus flying. Here's just a few. You, you can leave from where you want, when you want, and return when you want. Pack as much as you want. There's no carry-on restrictions in your car, I don't think. Uh, eliminate all this waiting in line for the ticket car, waiting in line for the rental car, security lines, TSA. You're probably not going to be delayed by weather that, that might be happening in between where you're flying from and where you're flying to. There's no unpredictability, um, right? I mean, you can you, you come and go as you please, and when you get to your destination, you got a car to go with you. Yeah, it's all about control. You control yeah. every. You can take as much lotion as you want. You yeah. can pack your own meals. And you, you know, funny thing, you're not sitting next to some stranger, uh, you know, and fighting for elbow room. Right. But I could go on and on. You know, take your pets with you. But the advantages far uh, outweigh, uh, you know, flying. Um, and you're going to save a, a bunch of money. Yeah. And like I said, it's going to be a lot less stress involved. Yeah. Hey, Rich, in our in our last two minutes or so. What are the three P's real quick? Yeah. So common sense, uh, three P's, prepare, prevent, and plan. So prepare. Makes If you think your vehicle might need some repairs, you want to do it on your own time, in your own community, with a technician you trust, rather than being at the mercy of uh, some unforeseen breakdown on the road. So prepare. Get your car ready. Being prepared will help you prevent, the second P, prevent, a breakdown on the road in the harsh weather. So that's prepare and prevent. And then a check, you know, you want to plan. Have a checklist. Uh, before you go on some long distance, plan your route and then pack the car uh, appropriately. And, you know, everybody can, can help in making sure there's there's some snacks and blankets and an atlas and jumper cables and, you know, cell phones charged and the chargers in the car and you got a flashlight. And the whole family can help. Um, plan the trip. And so those more, are the three Ps. And it's more fun. You're all together. You're all together in the car, and you're, you're planning the whole process. And I think it's good you teach the kids, hey, this is how we take a trip. This is what we do. Because what parents yep. teach their kids to do today is how kids are going to take care of not just their cars, but you find that they're better prepared and better planned out for events in the future outside the world. You know, it's you, you do one thing. I learned how to take – I learned how to do an awful lot of things from just learning how to repair cars at a very early age. And I think that's I think that's part of this process too. Hey, yep, Rich, it all makes it all makes sense. It all does. It really does. Hey, Rich, real quick, where can the listeners go get more information? Uh, we have a, a website. It's carcare.org. Carcare. and basically, you're going to find just about any kind of information, tips, advice on you know, maintaining your vehicle, uh, all kinds of information. A free car care guide. You can order a free car care guide. Uh, might make a good stocking stuffer. So uh, carcare.org Carcare uh, is there for uh, your listening public. Cool. Hey, Rich, we appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll catch you again. Maybe we'll talk again come the uh, summer driving weather. We can talk a little bit about some summer driving car care. And Would love to. Right, Would love sir? to. Thank you, Ron. You're very welcome, sir. You take good care. Ron Ron and Annie yeah. and the Car Doctor will be back right after this. 
Hey, welcome back. We're on the, the car doctor. Um, real quick before the end of the hour this this week, uh, I, I saw this in Auto Service Professional. It's one of the trade journals I read on a regular basis, and this uh, this is it's titled "Fuel According to GM General Motors." Apparently, General Motors does not endorse, support, or acknowledge, I'm reading the article, the need for fuel injector cleaning as a preventative maintenance procedure. According to GM, fuel injection cleaning is approved only when performed as directed by a published GM drivability or DTC, Diagnostic Trouble Code, Diagnostic Service Procedure. However, by the same token, GM says that due to variations in fuel quality, tank additive isn't a bad idea. GM, giant mistakes. Get it right, guys. Hey, till the next time, I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor reminding you the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.